Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is... Are these books drunk? They're going to be today, y'all. I think so. I'm Brandy. I'm Emma. And I'm Mariana. This is your book club with a twist, and we are your happy hour girlfriends. Yes, we are. This month, we are reading a thought-provoking novel that has made us dig deep into the human condition. The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Hey, ladies. Hey. Just wanted to say hey. Oh, hi. <laughs> hi. Hi. Last week, we gabbed about, if given the opportunity, would we have done anything different in the past? What was a fork in the road moment for each of us? And what would be a least important day in our lives that we would like to relive? Hmm. So pretty much all surface level stuff, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Enough about that. How about we start chatting and start drinking? Please. DJMs, what you got for us? Oh, I forgot about that nickname. Oh, Thank you wow. for bringing that back. <laughs> Today's beautiful cocktail pairing was inspired by a major turning point in this week's chapters. Ooh. Think the Arctic, glaciers, and life-threatening creatures. Oh. Today's cocktail pairing is called the polar bear. Ooh. Wow. She is not, in fact, furry or white, but actually blue, <laughs> oh, like like those cold Arctic winds. I prefer my cocktails furry. furry. Thank you. Ew. <laughs> <I'm> totally kidding. <laughs> we'll leave it sitting out for a while. Maybe you can grow some. Oh, no. <laughs> While we're sipping on this super intimidating cocktail, <laughs> what mocktail will you be sipping on today, Mommy M? Well, mine is definitely not intimidating. It's oh. called the teddy bear. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. So if you all want the mocktail recipe, please check out at Are These Books Drunk on our Instagram page. And without further ado, here to share the recipe for this icy cocktail is our warm-blooded bartender. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Ricardo! Oh, Ricardo! Ricardo! <laughs> Hi, ladies. Welcome to the bar. Hola. Hi. How are you? So good. Good. Are you ready? It's going to be a frozen cocktail. No, not a frozen cocktail. But the name is pretty chill, right? Okay. (laughs) What are we we working with? Chilling with my homies. (laughs) We are working with a polar bear. Ooh. Yeah. So it's easy cocktail. Refreshing. Uh, I highly recommend to, as a first thing before even trying to prepare the cocktail, put the uh, glass into the fridge. So when you drink the cocktail, it's very, very icy. It's nice and cold. Yes, because it's an app cocktail. So the the ingredients for these cocktails are just two, vodka and blue curacao. Dangerous. We like that. Yeah. (laughs) So two ounces of vodka and one ounce of blue curacao. You shake and strain up in the chill glass. Oh, it's a beautiful color. Easy, beautiful color. Um, I don't find it necessary when the cocktail is that pretty to put um, any garnish uh, on the cocktail. But if you want to do something... 
nice, you can go for just a blueberry, uh, ideally with a toothpick. Like the idea is to replicate the olive into the martini. Uh-huh. Right. But in a different color palette. The good thing is that the blue curacao is gonna help you with, there's no dilution in the cocktail, but right. the blue curacao is sweet and citrusy at the uh-huh. same time. And so it's gonna help you a lot to actually have this drink. And it's dangerous because you're gonna finish the first one without even notice it. I told Mariana, it just smells like pure alcohol in my booth right now from Perfect. this drink. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's just how I'm getting like drunk it. on the fumes alone, yeah. y'all. <laughs> and I would use another uh, a brand of vodka that I usually recommend to keep in the freezer. That mm. is absolute. Uh, oh, nice. Any, yeah. any vodka, that's my particular taste, but any vodka should be stored in the freezer, not for consumption and preservation purposes, but just because I like it better. I do that mm. now because of you. You've yeah. said that before. So, I love vostra salute, ladies, thank and enjoy you. your polar bear. We'll enjoy it way too much, I think. (laughs) One of us surely will. (laughs) Bye, ladies. Bye, Bye. Ricardo. Gracias. All right, women. Cheers. Cheers. Bye, ladies. I'm so (laughs) sorry. See you you later. See you in another life. Mm. (gasps) Oh, this is yummy. Well, mine is yummy. Good. I'm happy. (laughs) I really love that yours is the same color as ours once again because it makes me feel like you're drinking what we're drinking. So, how is is it, ladies? Straight up booze. It's just booze. It's It's literally booze. But if I was in the Arctic, I can imagine really loving something like this because it keeps you warm. It warms you up quick. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no fuzz, right? No fuzz. There is something <laughs> floating around in here, but I think oh, that was from my glass. Oh, dear God. I was thinking that it would be kind of cute as a garnish to do the lemon peel that you you would sometimes do on a martini because then it could be like a little floating island oh. on the blue water. Oh. Pitch that to bartender Ricardo okay. for me. <laughs> yeah, forget about the blueberries. I like but that like one But like floating better. on top? Yeah, like just set it on top and then it's just like a little floating iceberg. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'll pass that along. Yeah, please do. (laughs) I'm good at this. (laughs) He's going to be like, no. "No." (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be like, tell Brandy to stick to what she does. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, should we get to this week's chapters? Yes, please. All right. This week, we get to look into Nora's second visit into an alternate life. Though she asked to visit a life where she'd followed Izzy to Australia, she ends up there to discover that Izzy died in a car accident shortly after their arrival. Then she goes on to a quote-unquote successful life where she'd done everything necessary to become an Olympic champion swimmer. She finds herself giving a talk to a room full of people, a talk organized by her brother, whom she seems to have a good relationship with in this life. In this world, it is her mother who passed away years ago and her father who is still alive and happily married to the woman he had an affair with. 
in our final chapters of the week, Nora finds herself in a life where she'd pursued her interest in glaciology. It is here, in the Arctic, studying global warming, shooting off flares and banging a pot to ward off polar bear attacks, (laughs) that she meets Hugo, a glaciologist like her, who recognizes the noncommittal way that she answers questions and the slightly confused look she's been wearing on her face, because he too, he says, is sliding between lives and has been for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Twist! I did mm-hmm. not see that twist coming Neither at all. But I have to say, I was so delighted by the realization that other people are having this experience and it's not just Nora. Yeah. Because a part of me had thought, like, is this possibly a dream that she's having? Is is she possibly slipped into a coma after her attempted suicide? And this is all just a figment of her imagination, which I guess it could still be. But the fact that there's another person saying he's doing the same thing makes it feel a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. And makes you think, like, in our lives now... If this were a possibility, how many people that we're coming across on our everyday paths are just around. kind of like making it up? Uh-huh. I mean, right. a lot of times I I know I'm definitely making it up. <laughs> right. So it's interesting if you think about it in that sense. That's one of the scarier aspects to me of what she's doing. And I'm surprised she's not – she doesn't have more anxiety about it when she drops into these lives and I doesn't know. have any freaking clue – I mean, the life she drops into where she followed Izzy to Australia, she doesn't know where she lives. She doesn't know what her job is. Right. Like, she she got out no of the swimming idea. pool. She's like, OK, where do I go from here? Right. All right. She's a great improviser. But she doesn't seem to have any worry about that ever. No. And I actually have to admit, I don't think I love that choice from the writing perspective. Oh, interesting. I, I think I... Because maybe it's because it gives me so much anxiety or Mm -hmm. maybe because I'm like, that's so unrealistic that you could just be dropped into a scenario and just kind of guess. Uh Uh-huh. I I would be, I think, more interested in a a choice where – she shows up, but she knows what's going on. It's funny because I th- what I find really cool about that is that it seems like she's a lot more free doing something yeah. like this than she uh, was in her root life. Mm. Like, I just feel that she's a little bit more dis- disobedient. Like, she can just – whatever happens, happens because she true. doesn't have – I mean, she can just go back to her root life or go back to the Midnight Library and then choose something else to kind of – That's true. It's like you have nothing yeah. to lose. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, except for maybe your whole life. But <laughs> but she's already kind of given that up. Right. right. She tried to commit suicide. That so is yeah, a good as far point. as she's concerned, there's nothing to lose. I do really like, though, that every time she shows up somewhere different, she there are characteristics of her that are different. You know, like when she's yeah. really strong or her hair color's different. Yeah. I think that's really cool. Or when Agreed. she finds herself like extremely fit when she was yeah. a former Olympian, like that. Just... Right, her body feels mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. even. Or she finds herself to be really assertive as that version Confident. of herself. Yeah, right. Which actually brought up an interesting thought for me, Mariana. I remember in the last episode you had made a comment about how you know we might be living all of these different lives or whatever, but at the core of it, you're the same root person Mm -hmm. you're you're really Mm -hmm. the same being and I found that really interesting this week because we're sort of finding a contradiction in that 
she is not the same person as we're seeing with like how she feels different in her body or her, you know, her personality has these differences. But in that speech that she gives in that successful life, she does talk about the tree of life. Mm-hmm. And she she talks about how if the root of the tree is rotten, mm-hmm. then none of it matters which branch you seek, which fig I you eat that. from the tree. It doesn't yep. matter. The roots are rotten. And it seems like she's talking about her own life and her own experience. And I was curious if the two of you had a sense of what that rot is. Well, there we get to find out through these, was it three lives that she experienced this go around? It was three, right? Yes. In each of them, she's taking medication for her Mm -hmm. depression. Right. Uh, So I think that the rotting is really her emotional well-being. She's not at a place where she's completely okay with herself or with her life, even though it might for others, seem like it's successful. It might for others seem like it's a happy life or a fulfilled life. But for her, she's still lacking something. Because why is she still having to take medication to kind of And she's had balance her life in other lives Mm -hmm. as well. Exactly. Which is interesting. Is that the cutting that you're referencing? Yeah, it seemed like in her successful life she notices a scar where it seemed like she had tried to slit her wrists, maybe. Do you guys oh. think that that's what happened in Portugal? Because there's a mention of that. There was right, right. I'm so sorry about what happened. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I I do agree with you. There does seem to be something going on with depression in all of her lives so far that we've visited, and there was also something going. You know, there was mention of the fish in the fishbowl. And the idea of fish and animals being, you know, the possibility that animals could be depressed. And then, like, notably in her life as a glaciologist, she's studying global warming, which in a way is kind of like the earth being depressed. You know, you know what I mean? So it does seem like depression is sort of her own depression, but also just the depression of the world around her that's sort of being explored. Yeah. 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 I'm curious if either of you have ever, like, I mean... Have you ever struggled with, like, depression, depression? It's hard to answer that because anxiety and depression sometimes Mm. go hand in hand. Yeah. It's not that I've ever been clinically diagnosed as having depression. But when I was going through my eating disorders, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety. And because of Mm. that, I ended up having to take Prozac. Mm. So I ended up taking Prozac for maybe, I would say, two and a half years. Oh, wow. Because it was a way to kind of balance off what I was dealing with emotionally to kind of come through. Yeah, and to cope. Yeah, it actually really, really did. I don't think if I wouldn't have had the assistance of the medication plus talk therapy, I would have been able to overcome that illness so quickly. Mm. Or at least so successfully to yeah. kind of get back to a, a levelized or a balanced mm-hmm. place, have a balanced mm. foundation. Have you ever E? I don't think so. Like if we're if we're talking about depression as like a clinical term, like an illness, you mm-hmm. know, like when you yeah. when you do need like a mood stabilizer or some drug to like balance out right. what the chemical imbalance right. in you, then no, I haven't. I I've definitely gone through long bouts several different times of what I thought was depression, 
but it was really just sadness or mm-hmm. anxiety mm-hmm. or a combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I And I think it's tricky because when you're a teenager, I think it's uh, – those lines are blurred between depression and just being a teenager because your hormones sure. are so crazy. And it feels like the world is out against you and your parents are out against you and like everything just feels so hard. But I think that's also just kind of part of being an adolescent, or at least yeah. that was my experience. I had a really right. tough time in those mm. in those years. But yeah, no, I don't think it's fair to say that I've ever been like depressed, especially because I have several people very close to me that have been mm-hmm. or are, and I I can see the difference. The difference, same yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. say I don't think. I I never have in in a sense that I've never been like diagnosed with depression. I do wonder though if that's because I'm somebody who like really runs away from that feeling. Mm. E- even if it might mean that it's I I don't know if that means that it could still be there. Sort of in the life that she visits where she's um Izzy has died and she realized that in this life she wears all this colorful clothing and stuff and puts on this facade mm-hmm. of being this very happy person, but there's something really dark going on underneath. I do sort of wonder if sometimes my mentality keeps me sort of just like running away from dark stuff mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I can keep a positive attitude, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people probably do that. Completely. And there's even a mention of, I'm going to read you this quote, fish get depressed when they have a lack of stimulation, a lack of everything. Yeah. So I can totally relate to that, Brandy, because I feel that if I'm not stimulated, you can, you can, that's your kind of your default. It's easy you can to go, go to that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the comparison, too, of that being in animals, I, you know, you touched on that. But I actually think about that a lot with Jack, my cat, because when we found him, he was on the street, but he had had an owner, I believe, because he was wearing something around his neck. So I don't think that he was ever fully like a a wild stray cat. And he was also just too sweet for him to be wild. But in the last couple of years, his excitement and need to be outside has escalated intensely and he just i mean he's kind of like me i guess but at any sense that he anytime he can he wants to be outside and he's tried to jump over the fence in the backyard a couple times which is terrifying to me so now like i'll let him out but i have to really be with him and watch him it makes me really sad because now I feel like that I've given him a taste of freedom outside in the backyard right. and I see how much he loves it. Mm. Now I think every time he's inside, is he unhappy? He wants to be oh, out there. Yeah. Because I know how much he wants to be out there. And so now it just makes me really sad. I mean, I think about that with Doc all the time. Yeah. And I say it to Jason mm. all the time that, you know, I don't, I don't know that I really believe in having a pet. I don't know that I think that that's actually a healthy relationship. I understand that in the world we live in, we have created a situation in which dogs cannot live outdoors in the way they're meant to. Right. You mean because like by nature, from where they come from, they're all animals are wild. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 
especially right. and yeah, I, dogs. I do yeah. think they have an instinct that tells them, similar to Jack, they have an instinct that tells them that they don't belong in a one-bedroom apartment on the sixth floor of a building in New York City. Oh. And be walked with a leash all the time. And be walked with a leash. Yeah, like, right. I don't know. I wonder that all the time. Like, is he... Is he a captive? Do I have a do I have a pet or do I have a captive animal oh. that I hold That's here? So sad. I know it. It's such a sad thought. It is, but it's but also, I get it. Yeah, I get it too. But I I also think, and especially with dogs, you know, if you if you hadn't adopted him, mm-hmm. if you did right. let would him life go, would, would he had. survive? Totally. But that's a human construct. That's because of things we have done that he can't have his normal, what his existence would be. Yeah. Going back from a a long time ago, it's not like you did that. But yes, because of what we've done. It's evolved. Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe in the wrong way. Right. And Jason will always make the point, too, where he's like, listen, he's warm. He's fed. He's he's loved. loved. That's better than being in the wild. Right. I got to say, you guys are the best doggy Um, parents. Second only to you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you were there first, so. (laughs) But like when he says that, I'm like, is that is that better than being in the wild and fending for yourself for Mm. a dog? I don't I don't know. Well, the only thing that makes me feel better about that is that Doc has never had a taste of that. So it's not like he can compare at least. True. I think I I feel like it's so much worse instinct that tells him. Uh, He's supposed to be able to do that. I don't know. We're all going to end up like Nora in a second. (laughs) (laughs) I told you this book was depressing. Yeah. Well, before we move on from I'm sorry, from depression or just from (laughs) (laughs) mental imbalance or just having too much pressure and dealing with a lot of stuff um, on your own, I wanted because this novel talks a lot about the Olympics in a way that oh yeah and right now we are able to witness at least from afar the 2020 yeah. Olympics that were supposed to take place last year but because of the pandemic they were pushed right. back a year so i we talked a little bit not on the podcast the three of us about the Olympics and how each of us have really enjoyed watching them mm-hmm. yeah I don't know if you guys followed the whole Simone Biles story. I was going to bring this up too. (laughs) There you go. I I, I have to say this because I haven't been that um, vocal on social media, but I think that she, before she was known as a goat, greatest of all time, but now she epitomizes what greatest of all time means, knowing that she was able to come out and say, I know my limitations. There is too much pressure on me. I cannot handle this right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take one for the team and I'm mm-hmm. going to allow them to do what they need to do. And once I'm ready, I will compete again. Mm-hmm. That takes so much courage. For sure. Well, she said in interviews, you know, that she uh, or she tweeted that she felt like she had the weight of the world world. on her shoulders. Mm. And so what that would do to you mentally and feeling like you have to show up at 110%. And when you fuck up. People expect greatness. Yes. They do. And that pressure is, I mean, every time I watch an Olympic sport, especially this time, I mean, I say it every time, but I keep finding myself saying, 
as I'm watching them now, the pressure that these athletes have is unreal. Anytime I watch any, it was the same during the the Euro Cup mm-hmm. when they were playing soccer, mm-hmm. and it gets down to the the penalty kicks. The penalty. Kicks. And every time one person came up, I was like, I can't watch. Oh, it's terrifying. It, and it so is. when when you are at that level of Simone Biles, and everyone's talking about you, and everyone's expecting you to be the best, yeah. I I totally agree with you, Mariana. I think it was so courageous, and that had to have been such a tough call. Yeah. And she even acknowledged that she was no longer – she thought that going into this – into these Olympics, it would be something that she would be doing for herself. But she even admitted that, again, she was there, and it hurt her heart to know that she was still, still doing it for everybody else. Oh. And I was going to bring this up, too, in comparison to Nora and and I think maybe the same pressure that she was feeling about swimming, like what she was getting from her dad. Yeah. Right. And that and in that other life, she did win the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which unfortunately caused a lot of other sad things like her mom dying yeah. when she did. But, yeah, I think I think we really got to see this week where the unhappiness came from in terms of her and her relationship to swimming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I'm wondering, though, what the root could be. Because it seems like there's depression in her in all of these lives where she's made all of these different choices, I do wonder what the root is of all of those. Like, is there a starting point somewhere really early in her childhood where that sadness and that depression took root in her tree that it's now ending up in all the branches. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder what the starting point was. And maybe that's something we're just going to have to find. Well, they did mention her parents and her mm-hmm. grandparents' relationship. Mm-hmm. So there was actually mention of generational trauma, which we've yeah, talked on in other episodes and other yeah, books. You're right. I think it really can come from a, a chemical place in mm-hmm. your in your DNA and yeah. also from how your parents were raised and how they were raised and how that mm. translates to you. Right. I mean, when you say, like, what's the root? I impulsively just wanted to say her being born. Like, yeah. it might just be inherently there. It's so interesting that you say that because one of the first prenatal sessions that I had, those were questions that were asked. Does depression <sighs> run in the family? Like that was one of the, the major questions and any other mental illness, because as a woman giving birth, you are predisposed to mm. postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Right. So if there is already a hereditary thing or if it's already in your in your line of family tree, then there could be more of a predisposition to end up oh, having some sort of depression in the aftermath. Right. Which maybe for her means that she won't ever find a life where she doesn't deal with it, but maybe she finds yeah. a life where she manages it right, or right. something. I have a question for you two mm. okay. coming off of this conversation. And my question is a very simple one. One that came up for me when hearing Mrs. Elm pose the very same question to Nora. Mm. What is success? What does success mean to you? I know. It's a fucking hard question. (laughs) It is hard. I think for me, it 
has more and more become just having the freedom to do mm. what I want to do. Mm. I think a, I think that's been a very recent thing that I've been able to attain because, you know, in the past I've had to have day jobs to support myself and stuff. And that's been hugely frustrating for me. Having a boss is hugely frustrating. For me. <laughs> yes. Even my sister, my sister commented on that about me when I was in my very early 20s. She was like, you're just never going to you're going to figure something out because you're not going to deal well with having a boss. <laughs> And my mom is somebody who doesn't have a boss. Her father didn't have a boss. Mm. You know, she has a brother who's an entrepreneur. Like, I just think that kind of is in my blood a little bit. So as long as I have the freedom to run my day the way I want to run my day, mm-hmm. I think I'm doing good. I think I'm pretty, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I do too. I'm going to read a quote that I saw that kind of epitomizes what I kind of think of success. Well, in a way, too often our view of success is about some external bullshit idea of achievement, an Olympic medal, the ideal husband, a good salary. And we have all these metrics that we try and reach when really success isn't something you measure and life isn't a race you can win. It's all bollocks. Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. That's from the book, right? Is (laughs) that quote from the book? Okay. (laughs) like That's familiar. So... In reading these chapters and reading what Nora has been kind of going through and when she goes to these alternate lives where she sees that she's still constantly disappointed and it's because, yeah, if I had what I thought was the ideal husband and I'm still disappointed and yet if I had this, what I thought would be success and I'm still disappointed or whatever success means to you, I think it all comes down to, for me, is acceptance of oneself. Because mm. if you accept yourself, you will be fulfilled in whatever you're doing and you will have gratitude for what comes your way. I think a lot of times I associate failure with not with my expectations not being met or not achieving the goals that I have. But if I'm already grateful for what I have done, mm-hmm. then that is success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, success is being able to tame your headspace. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Like being able to react, observe what's going on and changing how you feel about it if you have to, to be something that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Ooh, I really like that. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And that's like, right, what like the power of meditation is, is that you are kind of taming your brain to be here and it will run away but when you can really get good at it you can bring it back without judgment and so i think doesn't control you mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and i think if you can do that then you are successful in anything because you can decide how you feel about any situation i like that a lot yeah i'm still very much working on it (laughs) I have not succeeded (laughs) in Mm. this completely, but it is like that. That's my that's my work now is figuring out how to be better at that. And I think that also goes hand in hand with also for my definition of success is just liking your life. Yeah. So that no matter what you're doing. You're okay with that. Right. And that you're enough. And that you are enough. I do sometimes wonder, though, if – and I, I love that answer, so I'm not poo-pooing it. I just do wonder sometimes, <laughs> like, 
I have obviously had my challenges in life, but I've had a pretty easy life. Like, mm. relatively speaking, I've had a great life. Mm-hmm. It's not hard for me to like myself. It's not hard for me to be happy with where I am. But I do wonder if, you know, someone like Nora, who is predisposed to having depression in her family, like, is that is that easier said than done for someone with those kinds of struggles or with people who are in a different different oh a hundred percent absolutely i think it's you always know? easier said than done for anyone yeah right, i think yeah. it makes it harder but yeah i think it's it's one of those things where it sounds so oh yeah like, i can do that but when you really ap- uh, try to apply it it's fucking right. hard yeah it's a life's work like completely. you said that's your work right now completely it's a and you know here i am giving all these like woo woo answers to this but i I would be lying if I didn't also acknowledge, similar to yours, Brandy, that for me right now, at this moment of where I am in my life, success is also making a living doing what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what I love. Yeah. And not having to work a menial job that I give no shits about just to, like, survive. Right. That is true for me right now in this moment. But I do think it's important to acknowledge that our definitions of success should and probably will change every several years. Completely. It's a hard fucking question. I know. I feel like we can talk about that for a very long time. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't have a lot of time. Time in what sense? No, that we don't have a lot of time on this, this episode. episode <laughs> oh, God. I was no, like, well, on this back. planet? Like, I am not <laughs> going there. Let's talk about death again. That's too deep for me right now. <laughs> well, shall we talk about dads instead of okay. I'm going to? Well, sure. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I don't know if this will lighten things up. I think it will. Previously on our podcast, we've shared stories of our fathers before and have mentioned how close we each are to them. B... You've said that your dad knew from the very beginning that you were very different from anyone in your family, that mm-hmm. you would become a very independent woman. And we're definitely witnesses to that. E, you've shared how you and your dad have a very special bond. The letter he has written, the letters he has written you throughout the years have always had an enormous impact on you. And my dad, now that you two have met him as well, has always said that I am destined for greatness, that it will happen at some point in my life. I want to kind of take a deeper dive into these relationships, similarly to how Nora was able to explore her relationship with her dad. Visiting a life where her dad was still alive made her realize that he was a very difficult man. Nora had also felt that simply to be in his presence was to commit some kind of invisible crime. I want each of us to uncover how our relationships with our dads have influenced who we are now, the impact that their essence has had on our lives to date. That's a much bigger question than I think maybe you realized in posing it to me, Emma Orlov, the daughter of Fred (laughs) Paul Orlov. (laughs) And it is complicated. Um, And I'm a little nervous to talk about it because I Mm. haven't actually ever expressed this to my dad. Oh, wow. I'm super close to my dad. Like, really, really close. We're also so similar that we can kind of bump up against each other sometimes. 
And it, it makes me sad when I say that because I don't think that my dad feels that way towards me. Hmm. Oh. But I think he can also sense when his energy matches mine and it and it makes me very anxious. Hmm. Sometimes I really have to like tell myself to just kind of like chill because my dad is so He's so particular. Like, he's such a character. I mean, I don't know if you know Larry David, but I'm always compa- – <laughs> I, I like to compare my dad to Larry oh, David I in a love sense. Like, that. He's just – he's funny. He doesn't give a fuck. He's out there. He's he's weird. He's quirky. and But he's so loving and sweet mm. and so supportive. But all of the, the previous elements of that, of my dad – are sometimes just a little too much for me. Like he's so organized and he's so particular and he's so on top of things and it's timetables and it's and it's constant communication and sometimes it's just too much for mm. me and I shut mm. down. Oh, wow. And it makes me really sad. Like it's so hard because it's not like he did anything wrong. It's not like he did anything bad and it's not like he's mean and it's not like he's totally. ever nasty. He's just, he's stubborn and he's, yeah. and he's yeah. in his ways and... And I actually found that I have a lot of those qualities right, you're very yeah. that my dad has. Mm-hmm. And so that has been interesting for me growing up. The more that I'm clocking how similar to him I am mm-hmm. right. is deciding how much of those colors I'm okay with showing and how much I kind of got to reel it in. Isn't a saying about that, that when you find qualities in other people that annoy you or bother you, that it's usually because there's a kernel of them in yourself mm-hmm. and you're recognizing it? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. And I and I think that's because I've been doing so much work lately, not letting myself jump to frustration mm-hmm. or not letting myself complain about things and just trying mm-hmm. to breathe and be grateful. And sometimes I think my dad jumps too quickly to the anxiety and doesn't stop and just breathe. And and I and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But it it's hard. It's hard on me. I totally get it. Um, my relationship with my dad is interesting. I, I too, am very similar to my dad. Uh, And I think part of that is because I have tried to model myself after him in some ways. I've always been really proud of my dad. Mm. My dad is definitely somebody who does not go out of his way to connect with people. And that goes for us sometimes, too, I think. He kind of tends to leave that to my mom. Mm. So to connect with him, it has to come from you in a sense, unless it's something he's really interested in and you happen to be interested in it too, then he will try to connect with you Mm -hmm. over it. Mm -hmm. But the older I get and the more I think about what you're saying, Mariana, where he kind of saw that quote unquote independence in me, it it was not as positively put as you did when (laughs) he said it to me, but uh, or I didn't receive it as positively Mm -hmm. as you put it. I have realized that I, I have that, that, um, disconnect Mm. sometimes where like I don't because I'm so because I have my goggles my goal-oriented goggles on I don't always take the time to connect with people unless it's part of what I perceive my path to be and I worry that that can seem neglectful because I don't it's not just friends or acquaintances that I do that with I think I probably do that with family members too Mm. And often we can just pick up where we left off and it's fine. But that point of like daily connection isn't always there. Mm. And I do think that that comes a little bit from my dad. And I think he saw it in me because he 
knows it of himself, of himself and could recognize it. Yeah. Huh. Well, then the three of us are all very similar to our dads because hearing you both speak, I can like really, I mean, I've always thought that my, I've been very similar to my dad and I've always been very close to my dad, but we do butt heads because we are so the same person. Mm. Yeah. So very similar to you, Emma, but also very similar to you, Brandy. Like there's this sensitivity in him that comes across as something very different when he gets mm. when there's tension around him like he kind of shuts himself off yeah but it's because he's very sensitive or the, his insecurities kind of speak for themselves or precede him and then he doesn't know how to handle oh. it so it seems like he's not necessarily involved but it's the complete opposite because if you talk oh. to him after the fact then you realize that he was so in it and he knew exactly what everyone was saying, but his insecurities just didn't allow him to be who he wanted to be at the moment. Mm. And we fight a lot. But I think because being the only child and being so far away for so long, when we love each other just way too much that it gets Mm -hmm. to the point that when something happens immediately, like sparks something, and then both him and I are also very stubborn people. So then... We're like, but we love each other. Why are we doing this? It always ends up at the end of the fight. It's always like, we love each other. So why are we even bothering with this? But it's because we both want to be right. And we both want to speak our mind, which we tend to not do with a lot of other people. But anyway, the other thing that I did want to bring up, what's been the most incredible thing, and it's been a gift for me, is that my dad has provided me with so much confidence that I usually don't have in myself. Oh. And it's something that I say that I lack because it's something that I want more of. But he's been the one that has been able to provide that for me when I can't provide it for myself. But I think it's because it comes from him having this, this innate fire in him that even though he does have these insecurities, he constantly fights and is so courageous, but doesn't doesn't necessarily accept that or acknowledge that for himself. Aww. And I've been able to like see this now more and more because I have seen him become more and more sensitive, or at least he's allowed himself to be more and more like that the Aww. older he gets. Yeah, same with my dad. I wonder it's if there's beautiful. something with, with yeah. aging that you just kind of there soften must, a little they bit. They soften. Yeah. Yeah, he has really softened. I think it does come with age. Or maybe they've because they've learned to live. What is this the 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 they you only <gasps> learn when you live, right? Something like that is isn't the that, yeah, isn't the that quote, the Mrs. Elm is yeah. coming back to yeah. Yeah. Um, you live by learning. You live by learning. No, you learn by living. <laughs> there we go. Nailed We're going to get it. We're get it. One little point of symbolism that I wanted to mention that I should have mentioned in the first episode that I didn't. Mm. Uh, but it reminded me of it because in these chapters, Nora mentions the idea of rot in your in your tree trunk of life. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just realizing that there's so much animal imagery going on and nature stuff going on. And then I realized, well, duh, Mrs. Elm's last name is Elm. Elm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I looked up the uh, symbolism of the Elm tree. Uh-huh. 
And one of the things I found is that the Elm acknowledges that life's difficulties can create the illusion that we are isolated, alone, and misunderstood, which is something that Nora is clearly feeling. And then it also says the Elm tree tends to be strong, durable, and resistant to weather <laughs> and rot. Oh, which is wow. you know, which is exactly the the role she seems to be right. filling here for Nora. She's like trying to heal her tree trunk, in a uh, sense. Huh. And also, Nora's last name is Seed. Seed. Is Seeds? Yeah. So it's like the beginning of life. Well, I wrote this down. When Nora is living out her, what's it called? Glaciologist? <laughs> I think it's glaciologist. Glaciologist life. And she's exploring living that life of travel and adventure and challenge. Yeah. And I don't know. I was thinking about it in terms of living out these lives and trying to do the right thing because it's your one life, but also because mm -hmm. it's your one life, you should be doing whatever you want. And it came, I, I was thinking about, I actually think about this all the time, how I chose to eat vegan for the long haul health of my life to protect the the long term internally what's going on. But yeah. also sometimes I, or often I think, but also because it's my one life, shouldn't I eat whatever I want? I think I'm trying to do the right thing for the long run, but also am I missing out by not giving myself opportunities? If this is like our one short to life, why should we do life? it? Yeah. So it's like, how do you know which one takes precedence? I don't know. I think about it all the time. It feels like a vicious cycle yeah. to me. But it's, it, that leads into a much bigger question because that's anything in life. Like when you're trying to do right. the right thing and you make a certain choice, but then you feel like, was that the best choice for me? Because if I made that choice, then I didn't do these other things. And then I didn't really experience life to the fullest. So it's kind of, it's like a bigger picture of what choices we make mm. and where it, the path that that leads us right. down. Yeah, because you can also be vegan and then still get cancer, you know? It's not. Right. It's, it's not a not, plan. No. Right. Like like uh, Mrs. Elm said in, in these chapters, you have a choice and you make a choice, you make a decision, but you never you can never predict the outcome. Where that's going right. to go. I was reading a really interesting article because I really loved that uh, in that speech that Nora gives in her Olympic successful life, um, I just really loved that Sylvia Plath quote mm -hmm. about the fig tree mm -hmm. and the character in the bell jar who... Mm -hmm is the one who's sitting there at that fig tree and regretting that, you know, the, the figs represent all these different parts of her life and regretting that she can't eat them all. They start to rot and she ends up experiencing none of yeah. them. And what this writer of this article said, who I'm I'm kicking myself that I don't know her name, but I will put it in the show notes. She said that that, that part gets quoted all the time, the fig tree and the figs falling. She said, what people rarely quote is what happens on the very next page. Mm -hmm. Which is that the main character sits down to eat and realizes in her mind, oh, I, I, I didn't eat the figs because or I'm regretful of not eating the figs because I was just hungry. Mm. And it kind of goes back to that. I think one of us said that last episode, which was if you feed the immediate need that you have, I'm not saying that that's just food, but mm -hmm. if you take care of the present person, the present moment that is here today, I don't know that you can regret an outcome of that because otherwise you're just pre-predicting outcomes mm -hmm. 
with no actual information to back it up. And going off of that, I think that there's so much disappointment in each of Nora's alternate lives because it seems that there's this reoccurring theme of her following through with what others want Mm. And they're constantly like dimming her light. So then she is not feeding herself in that moment. So then she's full of regrets because she's not necessarily doing what she ultimately wants. Because somehow she's allowing the outsiders in her life to kind of guide her as to where she's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Although we are finding for the first time in this life that she's following her own path. And it's interesting that this is the life then where she meets Hugo, somebody else who is having the same experience as her. And when she's ultimately confronted with fear is when she finally says, oh, maybe I do want to live. When the polar bear, <laughs> polar bear makes an appearance. Hey, I'm almost done. With Ariana's mine. almost done <laughs> with her teddy bear. Yeah, yeah, the teddy bear. My teddy bear, <laughs> keeping me nice and warm. Well, Emma, I'm curious about one more thing. You've said twice now that you feel like this is reading as a young adult novel. Mm. I'm curious if that is shifting. If you still feel that way and if you can pinpoint what it is about it that's reading that way for you. I do still feel like it's reading that way. I think the majority of that is coming from just the sheer circumstances of the story. Mm. I think because it's so fantastical about it. And in it, I almost can envision it being turned into like a Pixar movie. I think maybe because it feels oh, so much like soul. soul. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe this is just because I'm putting my own ideas on why this book is written, but I do kind of still feel like it's a book that belongs in, like, the self-help section for – and I still feel like for teenagers. I don't know why it's reading that to me, but I feel like it's like – and maybe that's because in my head, I think that teenagers are the most predisposed to feeling like there's no end. And that Mm. this is – This is not based out of any fact. Maybe I've heard or read or seen too many stories where it's the younger people that feel like they just want to give up. It's so crazy that you say that because with everything that you're saying right now, Emma, I actually see this. If I would have read this book when I was a teenager or even when I was in my early 20s, I would have seen a lot of things very differently. How so? Because was, I was in a very different emotional place. Like I wasn't right. being as mindful as I am now. Of course. I wasn't yeah. being like I wasn't trying to figure out like the not the best way to live, but just the most cathartic way to live or the most mm-hmm. or the way to kind of cope with what has been dealt, the, the, the cards right. that I've been dealt with. So do you think if you read this then it would have made you more hopeful or more cynical? I think maybe more cynical. Or maybe a little bit of both, actually, depending on my mood. Because <laughs> I, I, from the beginning, I saw this as being a very hopeful book and and her not realizing what she hasn't been grateful for. And I think that's a very similar right. place that I find myself now that I'm now starting to realize what I really owe a lot of gratitude for. That before mm-hmm. I just saw it as a given as opposed to really accepting that this is this is a life that I should really have a lot of gratitude but for. But I think a little bit like beyond 
Beyond her not being grateful for what she does have in her root life, I think there's also a little piece of her that is seeking adventure and for whatever reason felt like she couldn't find that in her root life. And she's she's certainly found it in her in this life she's exploring as a glaciologist. And I do think that that is something that more and more people in their 30s and I hate the word millennials, but like (laughs) I do think that's something that our generation is struggling with a little bit, given the economic climate, you know, people are having a more difficult time finding jobs. You know, buying a house is becoming less of a reality for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Having children is becoming less of a reality for a multitude of reasons for people our age. And I think we are, in some ways, a generation that can feel a little stuck Mm -hmm. sometimes um, with college debt weighing us down and all of this mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, having jobs that aren't paying as well. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like part of the message that Mrs. Elm is communicating to Nora through letting her explore these other lives is, hey, at any freaking time, you can take the bull by the horns and you can go fix shit with your right. brother. You don't have to be complacent. Right. You can get up and go do that mm-hmm. and your life will be different as a result of that It's choice. ultimately mm-hmm. up to you regardless. Right. You don't have control of whether that outcome is good or bad. But you can reach yeah, out. You can do that. So you true. can do something. That's so true. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to me when I heard you say the young adult thing because I was not at all receiving it that way. Hmm. But when I read these chapters, I was like trying to see where you were seeing that. Yeah, so I don't know. I was just curious about mm-hmm. it. I was curious about what that mm-hmm. difference was. I'll try to articulate it better next week. I'll think about it. I'll think about it as I'm reading them and see if I can really pinpoint it because I feel like I gave more of like a vague answer. But yeah, I'll try to I'll try to articulate that. All right. Let us have it. <laughs> well, shall I let you have a final question? Okay. <laughs> yeah, give it to us. Let's do it. Look, I'm still in the whole Olympics mood. And Me too. So, Which is very in theme with the book. Very apropos. Too, so. Totally. Yeah. If we were challenged to sacrifice our way of life to become a gold medalist, gold medalist, ladies, which Ugh. Olympic sport and event would we each choose to participate in? Why are you laughing? While Emma giggles, (laughs) I will say I don't know much about the Olympics or Olympic events. But in honor of this book and all of the animals that are presenting themselves in this book, I'm going to say equestrian. (gasps) Oh. Is that what you were going to say? No. (laughs) Okay. I was just making fun of the equestrian Olympic sport the other day. Yeah, and I'll do, is the dressage the one where it's so useless. That's the one I'll do. No, Brandy, My horse will express joy through dance. No, it's the most useless Olympic sport. It's not useless. How dare you? My horse loves it. I was just making fun of that the other day. He loves it. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, this... I mean, mine is not much better because I can't do any of these fucking sports. No, I can't either, yeah. And I don't think I would ever be good at any of them. But in honor of one of my favorite childhood movies, Cool Runnings, Oh, I would like to be on a bobsled team. Ah, the bobsled team. (laughs) And also, I just have to sit in the thing and I don't have to... 
do crazy ass things with my body. Oh yeah, you do. But that's very skill. Yeah, yeah. It takes yes, skill. Yes, but it's different than you know doing uneven bars. It's different than dressage, <laughs> which takes a lot of skill and talent, and Fuck communing dressage. with an animal. It does okay, take a lot okay, of talent. Yeah. Come on. I'm no. sure it does. Mine practically takes ESP. So mm-hmm. <laughs> one with the animal. Your dog? You'd be one with the horse. Yeah. One, I can't dressage with Doc. I would have to get a horse. <laughs> what about you, Mariana? I think you both would guess this one. Gymnastics. I, yeah. Oh, yeah gymnastics. Floor routine. Can you do that stuff? No. I've always wanted okay. to tumble. I never learned how to. I'm afraid to be upside down. You, are you one of those women that can do like a round off? No, or I never know? learned that. I only did that <laughs> okay. with lifts when pe- when partners were lifting me and then I would be upside down. Other than that, I don't, okay. I personally can't be on, upside down on my own. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yeah. yeah it's so Got fear. It. It's all fear based. Yeah, it really is. As my horse dances his way to our outro, thank you all so much for listening. Can't you just see my horse dressaging to our music? It's so bouncy. The word too is so annoying. Dressage. 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 If you have an insight or a question you'd like us to discuss on an episode, shoot us an email at artiesbookstrike at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on our listener question segment. Listeners, we've reached over six thousand downloads what since the inception of our pod yeah 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 we would like to give a gigantic shout out to every listener who has clicked on one of the streaming sites and listened to an episode of ours we couldn't have done this without you keep listening keep reading and keep on sipping yeah (laughs) next week we'll be reading to the end of the chapter entitled the many lives of nora c or page 216 in the hard copy of the book stay tuned on our Instagram page at Are These Books Drunk to find out next week's cocktail and mocktail pairing so that you can read along and sip along with us. Because it's it's always always happy 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 hour here. That's how I'd reward my horse too with like whiskey or something. (laughs) Toasty. Perfect. Yeah. Nice. That's how I'd win those dressage medals. <laughs> Say it one more time. Yeah. Dressage. <laughs> I think that's the only reason why she said that one. She really it wanted to say dirty. that. It does. It does kind of sound a little dirty. It sounds like massage. Hmm. Now I'm feeling weird about my horse. I don't know. I don't know if I can win this medal now. I'm in my head. Well, about you know it. what they say about big horses. <laughs> oh! Big horseshoes. Ha, 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 